Do you love making movies as hard and you want to listen to more episodes? Jump over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash MMIH and you can listen to the entire back catalog of episodes for just $1.99 a month. That's an additional 300 episodes that aren't on iTunes that you can listen to whenever you please. But without any more blibber blabber, back to the show. You know, making movies is hard. Making movies is hard. Welcome, this is the podcast about the struggles of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Ulrich Brussel, the founding host of the podcast, and I'm a sci-fi horror filmmaker, and my first feature film, The Alternate, is out now on digital, DVD, and Tubi. I'm Liz Manischel, I'm a writer, director, producer, who has made two features, Bread and Butter and Speed of Life, and I'm currently in development on about, who knows, I'm making more movies. I do sales, and I'm a distribution consultant, and I used to manage Sundance's creative distribution initiative. On this Thursday bonus episode, we're going to play the interview from episode 157 with writer-director J.D. Dillard, who kind of blew up after we had this talk. He uh, was attached to a Superman movie. He was attached to a Star Wars movie. He was attached to all kinds of movies. He was making the, the remake of The Fly at the time. We're like working on that. But that all kind of went away, I think, since then. I don't think he's attached to the Star Wars movie or the Superman movie anymore. We are trying to get him on the show to talk about all that again, but it just didn't didn't coalesce. So hopefully when JD's working on his next project, we'll bring him back to have a proper second conversation with him because he was so awesome to talk to. But on this very first conversation with him, we talked about making his first feature film, Slight, which premiered at Sundance and was also bought by Blumhouse through their other like other production company. I can't remember what it was called, like Tilt something or other, which makes it connected to our episode with Yoko that is out this week, which is pretty cool, the Blumhouse connection. Also, JD found his success through working at a famous production company, Bad Robot. If anyone knows Bad Robot, I'm sure everyone does. In LA, of course. And Yoko found success through her time at AFI, also in Los Angeles. So I kind of felt like this was like a good convert, like a good marriage because it's like Yoko went the school route and then JD went like the working at a production company route, you know, and they kind of both resulted in the same level of connections and, you know, influence in their careers, I think, which is pretty cool. Also, don't forget to check out our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash podcast. This is the way that we keep the show going and that things keep moving forward and, like, we get to do these bonus episodes and our regular episodes. But without any other further bibble babble, here's our throwback interview with J.D. Dillard. I'm really excited to have J.D. Dillard on the show. Um, you know, indie filmmaker, uh, you probably know him most from the movie Slight that came out about a year ago, um, which was in the theaters, did extremely well. And um, just on a side note, I mean, everybody knows this, but I mean, it's roughly in the same kind of budget range and roughly in the same type of genre as my movie. So its success and doing so well and being a cool movie was like really exciting for me because I was like, look, it can be done. You can make a movie for this amount and it'll work. Yeah. So I was like so excited. Then like, when we got to talk to JD. Yeah, we gotta, I know. We got to get him on. And like JD, so you know, I I think we both saw the trailer for your movie or maybe I saw the trailer for your movie like right before Get yeah. Out. Yeah. And then I sent it to Alric oh, and I was like, cool. dude, check this trailer out. And, and I, was like, I was like, what? Yeah. I was like, <laughs> we, and then we, we were like, we got to figure out who this guy is. We got to get him on the podcast. And I think we just started asking people like, do you know who who this guy is? Yeah. And Liz Manischel, who works at Sundance, happened to know somebody who worked right. on your set, I think. And introduced Whoa, oh, amazing. Us. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it was like, because she worked at Sundance, and I know your movie played at Sundance or something, um, so I was like, there's got to be a chance that she knows this guy. Right, right. And then I was like, yes, yeah, she did, and she she introduced us through an email, and I was like, oh my gosh, this so, was yeah, amazing. Guys, we finally did it. We're, we finally did it. We're happy that we made it happen. 
Thanks yeah. so much for, for coming on and sticking with us, too, because I know like right around the time we reached out to you, I think you were running off to go shoot your next film. Yeah, and uh, but I'm, I'm glad we uh, I'm glad we could finally figure it out, guys. Yeah, awesome. Well, for the people who don't know who you are, can you give them a one minute bio? How did you get to the place that you are now? Where did you start out? When did you fall in love with film? And how did you get slide off the ground? So yeah, I mean, I was definitely one of those uh, annoying kids who, you know, have kind of like always loved the same thing for an absolutely terribly long time. Um, and you know, it was just that like my friend got a video camera in second grade and we started making things and kind of never stopped doing that. Uh, you know, m- made a couple of films in high school and, you know, eventually realized that like, oh, people can go to school for this, which was obviously the most exciting notion. Um, I went to <laughs> yeah. Syracuse for two years. Um, love the film program there. Uh, love the cold a lot less. Um, and ended up transferring to USC and kind of in the process realized that I actually didn't want to go to film school anymore. Uh, just realizing that, you know, I was like spending all of my money, like trying to make shorts and trying to do things that weirdly it seemed kind of superfluous to be paying for school at the same time while well, I love school, but I actually made the transition over to, yeah. um, like studying English. Um, but okay. the, the irony is that none of that really mattered because I still ran out of money and had to drop out of school, uh, after a semester at USC. Um, oh, and, man. but you made it all the way out to LA, but I was in LA. So, it, and, and I, I was like interning and, you know, ended up getting a job at, um, this TV production place where I had been interning called Reveille. Uh, which then became Shine Reveille, which then became Endemol Shine, which is now just Endemol. Um, the company has been sold like 12 times since I left. Um, and you know, at, at that job, that was kind of like, you know, I, I always kind of credit that gig to setting my barometer for writing. You know, I, I worked in the scripted department there as an assistant and, um, you know, like when you go home and you read 15, 20, you know, pilots during staffing season. I mean, very quickly, you're just like, Oh, I, I, I see. This is what it looks like when this is the writing that people get hired off of. Like that, that is, that's, that's, that's right. the new barometer. Um, uh, so I did that for a bit and then, you know, was also writing more and more on my own and really realizing that that's, that's where I wanted to be. Um, and, you know, I, I think it was just that time as an assistant where I realized, I just, I need a, I need a gig where I also have time to write. Um, and sort of through friends of friends, uh, I'd found out that Bad Robot was hiring a receptionist. Um, which at the time was kind of like two career steps backwards. But, uh, you know, if I could get that gig, it would have afforded me sort of the, the psychological income of, um, you know, having my writing, my writing time back and, uh, you know, very gratefully that, that gig worked out and that, that's really where I was able to, you know, first just kind of be in the halls and in the company of, you know, people whose work I had long admired. Um, but then also, you know, you can't be a receptionist from home, I found out. So, uh, that, that, <laughs> that, that, that yeah. job gave me a lot of, a lot of my time back. So that, that's sort of like the, the first, the first, you know, eight years, uh, of the experience out here, at least. Yeah, and the and so, how many of those years would have been spent in college had you stayed in to to finish graduating? 
So I had another two years to go, like, or a year and a half, two years to go. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I transferred my, uh, rising junior year. So, um, yeah, I still, I still had a, a little bit of time, you know, gratefully Syracuse was actually like a very fundamental part of my, I think my sort of creative upbringing just because the, the visual performing arts school there is, uh, a little more avant-garde um, than it's sort of, you know, communications school counterpart. And, you know, that's where I was watching video art for the first time. And like, I, I think really introduce introducing like very important, just like <laughs> philosophical concepts to me. Uh, and I, I think just slowly, you know, pulling me at least into a headspace where, you know, not every great movie is only, Jurassic Park and Star Wars, um, <laughs> which are both great films, With but, uh, amazing films. Yeah. Of course, yeah amazing but, films. <laughs> you know, it's also, it's also important to like watch Stan Brackage and, uh, you know, Bill Viola and just uh, at least get a little bit off the beaten path of like the, the, the hyper traditional film curriculum. And had, how many short films did you make while you were in film school or even it's leading like, up to slight? Yeah, I mean, that's such a, it's such a weird, I don't know, it's such a weird way to like look back at work I was making in college and like truly consider <laughs> It doesn't that. feel like, like it was true work yeah, yet. Like, these are my, yeah. these are my shorts I made. Uh, it's like, <laughs> I know, I feel the same um, way. There's like, I made a bunch of shorts before I say my first short was made. You know, the yeah, first short yeah, that like, I was proud of enough to say like, okay, well, I think I did it. I think I did what I wanted to always achieve. So well, everything totally before it. that was just practice. And, and yeah, it's like, exactly to your point, it's like, what, what is the difference between like an exercise and a short and that sort of like period of our lives? Uh, so, you know, I, I think, I think things that I would truly consider pieces of work, uh, at least from the directing side before slight, uh, I mean, I could maybe count on one hand. Um, uh, you know, a couple music videos, most of which were at least half of which, um, you know, for various reasons, ended up being unreleased. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, that and uh, it, yeah, it happens a lot more than I thought when I started making <laughs> music videos. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but you know, uh, the the bulk of my sort of creative focus before Slight was actually on the writing side. Um, you know, ha- have always had directing in the back of my head, but uh, you know, writing seemed like a a way cheaper way to try to break in. Oh, yeah, totally. You said you were always making films like throughout your childhood and high school. Did you have an idea about what it meant to become a working director and what that path was going to look like? And especially coming out to LA, what did you think it was going to be like? And then what was it actually like? You know, it's it's so funny. Like, it's kind of having had the same email address for like, 12 years now it, it it's so funny accidentally seeing you know like parts of the hustle from like a decade ago <laughs> uh, yeah and i i think it's just really telling that yeah i mean i when i moved out here i mean i definitely didn't know how to do anything and in the strangest way like that kind of hasn't changed and, and i guess it's just you know you kind of just get like sucked into the current and you are being pushed in certain directions and you're doing your best to sort of, you know, take opportunities here and there. But, um, 
Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's just there's so little rhyme or reason to how so much of this works. And I, I have, you know, a lot of other filmmaker friends. And honestly, post post Sundance, one of the 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 best thing that's happened is that I, I actually have friends that are filmmakers. You know, I, I it's not really something I had to to I didn't really have too much of before that. But you know, talking to these people and talking to these friends, it, yeah, it's just so strange how different everyone's path has been, you know, because I, I come way more from the, the sort of like nuts and bolts industry side of Hollywood, you know, having been an assistant at production companies and interned in that world and, uh, you know, worked for executives and, you know, a lot of my friends have never stepped foot in that world, but I, I also never was really on set for like, a good six, seven years and sort of my, my, you know, LA professional life where, you know, they had been doing that or PAing or working camera departments or anything like that. So I think it's interesting what you said about the whole, the river thing, like um, that the current brings you a certain place. And I feel like that kind of happens to all of us, right? We, we end up, we fall into the river and then the current brings us to a certain shore. And that's kind of where we start our journey than climbing up the mountain or how, whatever analogy you want to use. So yeah, it's a way more beautiful way of putting it than, yeah, I said, absolutely. No. <laughs> well, I, I like that yours kind of just brought you into this kind of more, uh, you say nuts and bolts, but would you say it's more kind of like the office side of things? It, it it is, and and honestly, and I I know it's really responsible for sort of forming my my own kind of professional sensibilities because, you know, while I love the, the craft of filmmaking, like I am very 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 motivated by the the business aspect of it, and really like find that interesting, um, and you know, at, at sort of this stage of my career, just you know having like really interesting conversations about you know disruptive ways to put films together and. You know, what, what's, what's funny is that my, yeah, my like Rolodex, so to speak, are all the people that, you know, I was assistants with and I was interns with. And it's, it's been really fun and, and honestly kind of rewarding to like watch these people graduate with you. Um, and you know, the people that you were interning with are now VPs here and, you know, running private equity over there. And it, it, that that's just been a really, a really exciting thing. But, you know, I, I haven't like grown up with DPs or as many DPs in the same way. <laughs> I haven't grown right. up with as many editors in the same way. Um, yeah. You know, when it's been time to like call the people from eight years ago. Yeah. Way more of them are, are, are sort of on the, the, the business side of things. So from that experience of uh, being like coming up in the business side, like working for executives, being, you know, um, intern in that world and like assistant to these executives, like what did you learn? Like what are some things you can pass on to us that, you know, kind of helped you in your path to becoming a a feature film director? Yeah, I mean, I I think part of it was like, you know, it's so annoying to hear that the, the sort of like adage it's, you know, it's. It's all about who you know, but truthfully, I mean, there, there, there was so <laughs> yeah. much of that that ended up just being important in my, my own sort of development out here. Um, and it's not like the, the, the douchey version of, you know, hitting parties and bringing your business card and hanging up, you know, handing them out to everybody. It's just so many sort of monumental moments of my life have sort of been because of proximity. You know, um, 
And it, it's, I, I don't know, it's, it's kind of that like, the irony is that like, I, I think as we grow in our careers, you actually look for ways to like not need that anymore. Cause look, if I could move to London tomorrow, I would absolutely do it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that would, <laughs> that would like pull me completely out of the scene, so to speak. But, um, yeah, weirdly, I, I feel like, I, I, yeah, I can't quite do that yet. Um, but, you know, in, in, in sort of the earlier side of my career, yeah, I mean, even that bad robot gig, I mean, that was my friend's good friend, like, whisper to her as a, like, let me know if any interns over there want a job. And I was like, I'll do it. Um, uh, and, you know, even a, even a bad robot where, you know, I eventually ended up working for JJ on Force Awakens. I mean, it, it was partially because, yeah, I mean, I was just a person there, you know, and there have been a lot of creative projects at Bad Robot and also elsewhere where it's just like, you know, it's like, you know, in movies where someone's like, is anyone a doctor? It's like the number of times that that calls come up, except it was about something random that maybe I could possibly hold my weight in doing. Um, you know, those experiences have kind of come up that way. So it, it's really not even like the networking side of things. It's just being near the action. Uh, it, it, it has always been easier to get roped into it. So, um, you know, I realized that pretty quickly working, working at Reveille. Um, and then, you know, in, in sort of just a, a little bit more of an abstract way, when you work at a company and, and whether this is, yeah, TV or film or, you know, management or agency. I mean, you, you know, when you, when you see how companies are run, it's, it's hard to not daydream about how you would run your own. So, you know, w without there really being like specific advice, just being in that environment, you're like, okay, cool. Yeah. Like if I ever had a production company, this is kind of, this is kind of what I would want to do. And this is what I wouldn't want to do. And, you know, the, the sort of, the shape of what I want eventually definitely has evolved, uh, you know, as, as I spent more, more time on sort of the professional side of things. So do you think that like in those jobs that your peers that were at the same level as you, uh, do you recall if a lot of them also wanted to be directors or were they more the types that wanted to be like executives and VPs and, and kind of go in that more or agents and, and that kind of route or were like, or were they also like you also wanting to be directors? Uh, I would say weirdly it was kind of like 70, 30, uh, like executive to creative growing up. Um, I, I didn't know many people that wanted to direct, but I definitely knew a lot of people that, uh, wanted to write and did write. Um, see, that's interesting to me, you know, cause I feel like by being somebody who's open to directing and wants to be a director in this environment where there's less people going after that path, you know, um, not to say that there weren't other people also interested in the same thing, but it's just like, I think when you go into the crew world, like, you know, there's a lot of people who want to be directors and, you know, like, yeah, hand more on the creative side in that world. And so I think there's just a lot more competition. But I think that, that's interesting advice to somebody who's just like, you know, coming out of college or in college still. And it's like they're trying to figure out how to get to where they want to go. It's like, oh, yeah, maybe try the business side because they're like you might be like a f like amongst fewer directors. So then when those opportunities come around, you know, you raise your hand and then you you might get a better chance of getting picked, you know? Totally. Right. The, uh, what was that you said? Like somebody said, who's here is a doctor? Like, what's the example that you have of that? 
Like what happened where somebody's like, does somebody know how to edit or does somebody know how to use a camera or what was it? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, at, at, at least at Reveille, I mean, what was helpful is that, you know, there, there really isn't like a path to directing when you're working in like scripted development as much, you know, writing, you know, because I, I don't know, I feel like the, the people that I maybe knew back then that really wanted to direct, like they were directing, maybe they weren't directing the things that they wanted to, but they were, you know, spending time on set and like actively building those skills where, you know, writing is that thing that you can kind of do in between everything else. Like it's a little harder to direct like that. Um, uh, so I, I think, yeah, at least on the assistant side, that's why I, I did know more writers just because, yeah, it was like what we were doing during our lunch break or when, you know, our, the day for our bosses was a little slower or we do it when we got home. Um, Directing is just much more of a commitment. And I think in the back of my head, knowing that I did always want to direct, uh, uh, you know, I, I definitely knew it was like the long play just because, you know, I couldn't support directing right now. You know, I, I didn't have I, I, I had too much to do for work to, you know, really put things together on the weekends like the, the job actually was just required a lot of time, you know, in, in terms of the, the, the who's the doctor thing. Um that happened way more at Bad Robot. Um, and you know, that, that company, I mean, JJ has just really fostered and created like a, 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 a really like healthy creative environment. I mean, you know, there, there's like a full art room at Bad Robot, which is like not something you see at companies. <laughs> uh, so if you wanted to like go paint a painting, like there are the tools to do that in the art room. Um, and, that's where it was like, oh, hey, uh, you know, Charles, our friend who works in the music side, met with these musicians and they want to, like, collaborate on a music video. Does anyone want to be a part of that? And, like, there would be opportunities like that that came up um, okay, cool. where it's like, oh, yeah, wave my hand. I like movies and things. I'll help. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, That's awesome. Uh, uh, so yeah, there, there would be a lot of things like that that came up, that came up there. But, you know, that was also just because, again, truly, like the, the, the environment was really, uh, yeah, the environment was really like built for that. And a lot of, it, it was encouraged that people were making their own things. And even, if, even if it wasn't traditionally like writing your pilot or your feature, I mean, you know, if it was, yeah, like a, a anything creative, you know, Bad, Bad Robot was always very, uh, supportive of that. That's cool. Nice. And so, so you're there at Bad Robot. You're working reception. At what point in working there did you say, I want to go and shoot a feature film? Like, and then what was the first step to, to start it? Well, again, yeah, like the, the, the directing thing was still not quite happening. Um, so at reception, you know, what I was able to do was just get my writing schedule back. Um, and I'd say probably like, a little less than a year into my time at Bad Robot. Um, okay. Before you, know, you go writing, on, what, what is your writing schedule? So writing schedule, I, I guess in the sense that like, you know, I'm, I'm able to write during the day. I'm able to leave work at a decent enough hour to have some time to write at night. You know, it, so it's not necessarily like, you know, hour to hour. Here's what I'm doing, but more just I, I'm afforded the time, time again. To do it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so you don't have, huge. you don't have like a regular time that you write every day. 
Not yet. And I, I didn't really institute that until uh, I took the very unglamorous step in becoming a, uh, a full-time writer. Um, so, yeah. So it was really just having the time again. And really the first big sort of bump for uh, my writing partner, Alex, and I at the time was uh, we sold a pitch to Bad Robot. Um, and, you know, we had been writing a spec sort of all along the time uh, I had started working there. And, you know, in a weird way, finally, like, cashing in on all of my f- friendships and relationships over the past years. You know, we had started slipping a script to friends at the agency and friends at management companies. And, you know, it, it started getting a little bit of traction. Um, yeah. What was the response when you when you shared it with people? Were they like, this is great. Keep on going. Or were they like, hey, this is really interesting. Let's talk. You know, it, it was like somewhere in between the two of those. I mean, some some people, it was like, this is, yeah, great job, man. Like, keep writing scripts. It's like, okay, but I, yeah, I would <laughs> Which love Which it means you're not quite there yet. Keep going, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, and it's that. And now, now, honestly, having been on the receiving end of that, it's like, you know, there are certainly things that you can believe in when you read, but like not quite know what to do with. Um, and then also as weird as it may sound, like not quite want to exploit your own relationships for, you know? So it, it, there are things that kind of pop up in that gray area where it's like someone could do something with this. I just don't know if I could, you know? Um, right. Uh, and again, you're asking like assistants to take it to their bosses, you know? So like in, in a weird way, you know, they're, they're navigating like, okay, is this the piece that's going to like get me promoted? And if it's not like they, they might want to hold a second and wait until they find that piece that will, right. you know, it's so pretty much right. got to be a home run piece for them. Or will this get like, me fired? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, <laughs> or there's only so many scripts I can bring to my boss. So yeah, I want to make sure that the one that I do bring is the one that's going to get me promoted. Yeah. And so, you know, there were people that did and there were people that didn't regardless, you know, it was enough to drum up a little bit of interest from managers. And it was kind of like after my second or third time needing to leave the office to take a meeting like that, I realized like, you know what, I need to come clean with bad robot and tell them that like, I'm not like sick and going to the doctor all the time. Um, and, <laughs> I'm sure yeah, I figured th- it out maybe. Right. <laughs> well, I, I came, I, I, I mentioned it first just cause it was like, yeah, I can't keep saying, doctor's appointment then it's like what's going on in your life um uh so you know i told my my boss at the time and you know she was in you know i i guess it was just having worked at a few places you're not sure how people are going to respond when you tell them like what you're actually interested in um and you know bad robot was just like the warmest and the nicest and the most supportive and like oh my god why haven't we read anything it's like Oh, okay. Oh, that's I, so cool. I, I, I love that. I, I didn't realize that's how it was going to go. Um, and what it eventually ended up happening is, um, you know, the feature side of Bad Robot read the script and, you know, look, it wasn't the kind of thing that they were going to make, but the, the, the sort of like beautiful, generous thing that they did was they sent the script to like their five favorite managers. Um, and, you know, being a young writer with your script going out as a recommendation from Bad Robot was like the most exciting and promising thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're yeah. like 26 <laughs> at this time. Jeez, math. Um, probably, tw- <laughs> probably, geez, was I 23? 
Uh, wow. I don't, I've known Pat Robot for a long time suddenly. Jeez. Yeah. Maybe 24, <laughs> maybe. It all adds maybe 24. up quickly, right? That's awesome. Yeah. Very, very, yeah. God, yeah, that is so scary. Um, uh, so that's how I ended up. We ended up meeting, um, our manager, Ken, who we're, we're still with. Uh, and, you know, we, we shortly after, yeah, that's when we sold a pitch to Bad Robot. Now, now that they sort of like knew us as writers, it, it was, way more chill to be like hey, how's this as an idea because it, it, it just it felt a little more legit now that they just knew that that's what we were doing we had a sample and blah blah, blah. so um so you know when we when we sold that first pitch which you know a, a, as happens like many a pitch sold out there that is not a movie <laughs> uh, right of course and, and what was the pitch for was it for like a big budget million dollar blockbuster or was it for like a smaller movie or no, it, it was, it was sort of for like a contained, you know, sci-fi drama, um, that could be done for a price. Um, and you know, look, it, it, it's, it also, this was like the, one of the most important steps in my career was just like actually understanding what working writer meant. Um, you know, because again, I, I've, I had never really understood writing from a deal sense on the feature side. So it's like, it's like, oh, I have a writing partner. So that check gets cut in half. Oh, that number on the, the, you know, on the contract, you don't get all that at once. You just get like a quarter of it to start writing. It's like, okay. Right. Uh, uh, it's like, oh, got to join WGA. It's like, oh, uh, taxes. And then you're like, got it. This is, you have to sell a lot of these. To, 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 right. Like, it whittles down to like nothing. Yeah. And again, 24 year old me was very excited or 25, however old I was. One day I need to actually just go through and remember how old I was when these certain things were happening. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so, you know, but, but it did afford me the, 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 you know, briefly the, the financial flexibility to not be the receptionist anymore. Um, and to just focus on writing. Um, and then, and then that's what sort of started this next weird phase of, you know, my and my writing partner's career, which was just, we were so excited to finally be like in the room swinging for jobs that, uh, you know, I, I think like, and this is now like my big piece of advice to, to, you know, writers a little younger is just, we, we, we never, we stopped specking and we just chased gigs. Um, and it was probably a good two years of that where, you know, swinging after giant gig after giant gig and, you know, regularly losing to writers well more seasoned than we were. Um, this is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. And at the end of that time, you realize that you just have nothing to show for it, you know, because the, the thing that you just forget when you're putting together these pitches is that 
you've basically done all the hard work of writing a feature already. You know, you, you, you build the complete story, you flesh out the characters, you know, and at least in our process, you know, we're looking at like a 10 to 15 page document. And that's a document that, you know, had we been specking something would be enough for us to go write the feature off of. Um, right. Oh, wow. But, you know, when you then lose that job, it's it's over that document goes into your archives and you can't touch it because it's not your ip and you know that's it um so, so when there's a gap on your resume and you people are like what were you doing for those two years and you're like well I yeah swear, it was like I was doing yeah, a lot. losing jobs <laughs> yeah trying to trying to get transformers 12 like i was trying oh, uh, that's so funny uh, <laughs> um yeah. Well, that would have been a huge payday if you'd had gotten it, though, right? Well, and, and that, and that's, you know, yeah, I didn't swing for that specific job, but it was all stuff kind of like that, where, you know, they're looking for younger writers to come in with a fresh take. And, Dude, but amazing that you're even in the room to be able to try to get those jobs. Well, again, as a young writer, that was sort of the, the, um, intoxicating part of it, you know, is you, you, you didn't feel like you weren't doing anything because, you know, you're talking to real producers, you're working with a real IP, but, you know, after you lose two years worth of those gigs. Yeah. You guys didn't get one job over those two years? We, we didn't. We didn't. Um, oh, man. Wow. So, so how do you survive uh, during that time then? Well, you know, it, it's like we did have the one feature gig, which again is not, it's, it's, it's not a, yeah, I mean, it doesn't afford a glamorous living by any means, but it's enough. You mean um, the pitch to Bad Robot? Yeah. And then, yeah. uh, taking on some music videos. And that, that's honestly where okay. I started utilizing sort of that side of things. And then, you know, it's like little creative projects here and there. And, you know, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it was really just finding at a certain point, it was just being s- scrappy again. And, and that was sort of my introduction to, fr- you know, to freelancing in a sense. Like, you know, I wrote like tiny things here and there for not, not even branded stuff, but just like, honestly, it's even, it, it's, it's hard to even quantify because it was just like, again, in, in sort of the being in an earshot kind of thing, just like a friend being like, do you mind writing a thing that this, we can do this for a pitch? It's like, great, I'll do that. Music video there. Like there, there were just these weird things that, you know, <laughs> kind of kept right. my head above water for that amount of time. Um, wow. And at the end of two years, were you starting to run out of kind of road and were you starting to like come up to the end of, you know, how far you could really push this and needed to go back to like a full-time job? So this is, yeah, this is like literally where the shift happened. So, um, so batter robot hit me up. My, my, my dear friends, uh, batter robot has chefs that prepare like a lunch for the staff, uh, every day, which is like a wonderful, super like family feeling thing. Um, and the chef there, my buddy, John, um, or sorry, my buddy, Mike, it was uh, Mike who had a kid there first. Um, Mike was about to have a kid and basically hit me up asking if I would cover for him on paternity leave. I'm not a chef, but like the guys are homies <laughs> and um, they, it, it was basically like, look, we could bring someone in and try to teach him the culture of the place and blah, 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 and just how it works here. Or we could just grab someone who knows bad robot, like the back of their hand and um, we'll like give them knife skills. Uh, and it was, it ended up being the latter. So, wow, that's so funny. Here's how to cut a carrot. Yeah. Like quite <laughs> literally. Um, 
So for me, it was just like, yeah, writing stuff like we were in between drafts and whatever. So it just made sense. Like, look, I'm going to go make a little bit of money, get to hang out with, you know, my friends and, you know, uh, and honestly, at this point, Bad Robot had kind of become my L.A. family. So it was kind of a no brainer to go help out. Um and in the middle of that, and this is also, I guess, just a mark. This is also like peak frustration of losing gigs. Um, uh, so it was at the time where I was at Bad Robot helping in the kitchen where, uh, JJ and his wife basically were like, would you come overseas with us to, uh, you know, to help out while we shoot Star Wars? Um, wow. and help out with what? Uh, well, I don't quite i don't quite know and i'll explain that in a second so um <laughs> okay. uh you know obviously uh i mean i have a boba fett tattoo on my right arm i i like star wars a little bit um and you know <laughs> jj is one of my favorite working directors so it, it was after like the shock wore off that i would maybe get to see star wars um Regardless of what the, the sort of the job was, uh, it seemed like a no brainer. Uh, you know, and talking a little bit more about it. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, you know, I wasn't quite an assistant. I wasn't, uh, we, we joke now that I was kind of the European life coach. Um, um, you know, I was there sort of working for their family, uh, and, 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 in a capacity. So, you know, I didn't really have any on set responsibilities. Um, you know, it it was just kind of being there for backup and, you know, again, not quite nanny, but like it was in, in, in that sphere of, of responsibility. Um, wow, that's wild. Why did they choose you out of all the people they could have chosen? Well, you know, again, it's just, it, it's better by to become my family, you know, uh, and this is now probably five, six years into my relationship with them, um, four or five years into my relationship with them. And it was just, um, yeah, I think just wanting someone who knew them and, uh, you know, would be down for an adventure and, um, and, you know, trust me. I mean, I still wonder why me, but, uh, right. I, I have, and, and, I have. and they're, they're comfortable with you, obviously, right? Like they, they know who yeah, you course. are and exactly. they're like, oh, and they trust you. You know, it's obviously a job of trust. I yes. Mean, that, and that, I think that's, that's, that's the best way to put it. That's ultimately what it was. Um, so. So yeah, kind of at the height of this frustration, I, with about two weeks heads up, left the country for a year. Um, wow. and holy moly, <laughs> uh, whole year. Yeah. In Star was, Wars land. That must have been so great, man. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's like, you know, I, 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 I dropped out of school to kind of like help my family financially. You know, that, that was ultimately like, the 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 real motivating factor and you know it, it was weird like watching my friends go take their gap years and travel and blah blah, blah. And, and it was this weird moment where i realized i had just had my head down in my work you know for um you know for like the 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 previous six years and while this was still work albeit a very different and rewarding kind um it, it was like my opportunity to like go travel and go explore. And, and in the weirdest way, you know, I'd grown up taking French since I was in first grade, uh, and had never been to Europe. Um, so I, I basically, yeah, I'd never been to Europe until I moved to Europe. Um, uh, and 
it, it ended up being, yeah, I, I think, you know, one of the most defining sort of experiences of my entire life. I mean, first, just there's the travel component. Um, but then there's also, yeah, to watch, you know, one of your favorite directors sort of piece together uh, your favorite film franchise was just the most surreal thing. Um, uh, and, you know, it took us to Wales and Abu Dhabi and Paris and London and all of these places. And, you know, for me, what was really just, uh, uh, it, it really, it felt like I went away and got my master's, you know, um, uh, and watching that movie come together. Yeah. Obviously had a, <laughs> a really profound effect on me. And, it was this weird thing, you know, like my dad, my dad is really military minded. He's a former naval aviator. And, you know, just the way that he kind of like structures thoughts sometimes is very much like, you know, calling me and wanting to know, like, what are you, what are you learning? You know? Um, and at a, <laughs> yeah. at, a, at a certain point, I just realized it was way more abstract than that. You know, you're just soaking it in, right? Yeah, exactly. And as opposed to it being like a tangible list of, uh, like facts that I think make a better director, it was more so like filling a box that when I had a similar question and I reached my hand into that box, like I would pull out the answer. Um, uh, so I really just soaked up that experience. I mean, you know, to, to just yeah. to, to be allowed to sit in video village and technically have very little responsibility oh, to the set man. itself. Um, That's crazy. Uh, so you just get to watch JJ work and watch him direct all day for some parts of it. And honestly, and right, you know, and like the, the whole part oh, of the process, wow. just, just be there for so much of it was, was really, really, really remarkable. And again, to this day, like, I'm so wildly grateful that, you know, they've, yeah. <laughs> they've, uh, you know, they, they like allowed me that experience. They, yeah. Um, they gave you that opportunity. That's so amazing. At any point during this year, or even the two years that led up to this year, were you wondering if, your career was ever going to take off? Were you just like, is this ever going to happen for me? Like, this is taking a long time. Like, what, what am I doing with my life? You know, in a weird way, and we'll, we'll get to this very shortly in sort of the, 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 the story, you know, I never thought there's, it never crossed my mind to really leave the business, uh, until after I had sold Slight at Sundance. Um, and that <laughs> wow. sounds so counter, so that I sounds can't wait so, till we get there. <laughs> that sounds so counterintuitive, but that is absolutely the truth. Um, no, you know, in that weird way, it's like you just, so many times you just don't even realize how close or far you are, you know, you are from things. So it, it, it's, you just don't have frame of reference for like, do I need to give up or do I need to push harder? It's just, you just keep doing what you're doing. You know, obviously going to star Wars, I, I definitely was not thinking about leaving the business. Uh, Cause I just right. never yeah. been right, more inspired. Um, but you know, I, I, I came home that following fall and was just like, you know, talked to my writing partner. I was like, dude, we have to shoot something. Like I, 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 really just felt like I needed to take that year and distill it into something creative. Um, so, uh, it's October and I'm at a Halloween party and this kid comes up to me who knows, you know, me through friends of friends. And, um, you know, he's like, I'm not gonna say he's bragging, but he's like, if you want to make a movie, let me know. Like I shoot six movies a year. You know, I'm like dressed as 
Idris Elba from Luther. I've had, you know, a thousand <laughs> drinks and just like, okay, I'd like, I just don't quite know what's going on here. Either way, this guy hits me up again uh, in January and is like, seriously, let's hang out uh, and talk about if you have any ideas. Um, so this guy's Eric Fleischman, who then became uh, the dearest friend of mine. Um, and, you know, Eric's young kid, younger than me, uh, formerly worked at Blumhouse and was trying to basically do his own Blumhouse uh, for a fraction of the, 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 you know, the budget, making movies that were ranging at the time from like, you know, basically like 150 to 300. Um, and uh, I went in and I saw that he had like dailies from other movies and he had like a trailer from a movie. And I was like, oh, okay, this guy is like, Actually, actually doing he's stuff. doing it <laughs> yeah a lot of yeah. people say they're making movies and it's like yeah like you know we got this thing in prep but like everything's in prep um <laughs> right in development <laughs> right. in prep yeah totally and he's like showing me footage and i'm like okay so you know alex and i had this short film script called slight um and we realized that like what if, if in in sort of the the you know, the, the long list of things that we wanted to make slight seemed like this thing that we could maybe pull off for no money. You know, everything else was on like terraform planets and, you know, delving into the circles of hell and yada, yada. So it's like this, this seemed like something we could do smartly and for a price. Um, so kind of lied to Eric that we already had a feature called Slight. Um, and he said, send it to us. And we went away and we wrote it in the next like week and a half, two weeks um, <laughs> under the yeah. guise of like, oh, yeah, let us just go clean it up. Um, yeah. Classic uh, writer's move. Yeah, obviously. Of course, it's done. We sent it to Eric in February and he was basically like, cool, you shoot in June. And it was kind of that straightforward. That easy, huh? um, and neither of us really believed him um, because that just, you know, on, on the more traditional feature side of things, that has obviously never been the case. Right. Um, right. <laughs> um, and then one day there's a lion producer with, you know, um, like a budget in a bank account of $250,000. Uh, and we are like, all right, word. Well, uh, let's go make a movie. Um, oh man, I'm so jealous so, right now. <laughs> we, 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 uh, <laughs> yeah, we started putting slide together and put it together very quickly and, you know, got ourselves ready for a 16 day shoot, um, uh, at the end of the summer. Um, and, you know, slight was just so, I mean, it was such a ride because of how little time we had. And also, you know, traditionally a lot of the work that, uh, Eric had been producing at that price point was really contained. Um, and, you know, looks slight is not a movie that displays like insane breadth, but it's also, it also doesn't take place like in a house, you know? Um, right. There's plenty um, of locations, you know, there's some good effects, you know? Yeah. And, like and we, we, we knew it was a lot to, to, it was going to be a lot to do for 250, but, you know, I, I think, borrowing what little we had from just you know our, our slightly more traditional i guess path up until that point we did really want the movie to feel like a a a, a bigger movie that was done for a smaller price like with just the spirit of it we wanted it to feel um you know yeah like a a little recognizable in in, in terms of just 
the type of story that it was. I mean, you know, in a, in a weird way, Slight is kind of like a rated R simply because of its language, like Amblin movie, you know? Um, I mean, it's very like, yeah, wish fulfillmenty and, you know, uh, coming of agey and, you know, we're, we're sort of accessing that somewhat recognizable, you know, uh, vernacular. Um, and, and that was always the goal, you know, that, that was, that was always, that was always the goal. So, you know, and, and putting that movie together, we literally were not making it with even the remote thought of getting into Sundance. I mean, it was Sundance was <laughs> really just yeah. like, it was a good idea to just have it done by then uh, because that's about what we could afford. Was that um, your idea to, to submit it to Sundance or Eric's idea to submit it to Sundance? Uh, it was Eric's idea, but okay. I mean, that was, that, that was like part of the game plan from well before we started shooting. It was just like, here are the deadlines in the fall, have the movie done by then and we'll send it to those places and keep working, you know? So, right. But as an executive producer, his, his technique for getting films distributed was the festival route. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so one last one question uh, before you move on to the Sundance thing though, is how many shoot days did you get out of $250,000? Uh, 16. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's about right. Um, yeah, so you know, it was like, yeah, it's that weird, it's that weird balance of like, it's enough to feel like a real movie, and then, uh, uh, but you know, it, it was a very strange experience going to the largest set I've ever been on in my entire life to the smallest set I've ever <laughs> been on in my entire life, being my own. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, w- w- even with that, and we talked about this a lot on set. I mean, we, we so were trying to borrow from the movies that we had all worked on, you know, and even though there was no money, so to speak, um, you know, we, we at least wanted to create an environment that like mimicked the movies that we loved. Um, uh, so, you know, whether that just meant having editorial super close to set or, uh, uh, you know, or just how things were shot listed. I mean, you know, w- 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 what was nice is that pretty much every department head on the movie, it was their first time as the department head. And I, I think because of, and honestly, that's including myself, um, you know, for that reason, like it, it, it just really infused our set with a really specific, um, I don't know, just a specific culture, you know, uh, it, it, the, the, the movie was sort of born of everyone trying to prove to themselves that they can do this job. Um, uh, and, and because of that, I mean, it, it really bred, a, uh, you know, it really bred like a tenacious culture, uh, on, on the movie. Yeah. So nice. Um, I, I have one question before you go on. Um, and this is cause it's, it's just sort of the most pivotal thing and you may not have an answer for it. But do you know how Eric knew you when he met you at that Halloween party? Do you, do you know, like, did he see one of your movies? Did he know one of your friends who, like, vouched for you? Like, what, what made him not only come up to you at that party, but also, like, pursue you back again in January? Like, do you know? So, what I'm almost positive it was, and I'm literally, as we speak, I am... Uh, scrolling through my Gmail from Eric, which there are thousands of emails now. Um, right. <laughs> but uh, what I think it was is Eric knew Alex and I as writers. 
um, because I think it was the year before that, you know, we, we had gotten onto like the hit list and, you know, I think a couple people threw our names in for the blacklist and, you know, we'd gotten like a little nice pop of, you know, relevance, uh, on the writer side and, you know, Eric in, in a funny way, I mean, we're not too far from each other and sort of our, 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 I say class in, in the sense of like graduating class of like assistants and PA, like oh, we, we were kind of in the same world a little bit. So we, even before slight shared a lot of mutual friends. <clears throat> ah, I see. So, um, you know, I, I, I know he was recommended. He was basically someone more than two people recommended that we link up. Um, and I'm now trying, I'm literally just trying to remember who the person is. Um, wow. uh, well, that pretty much yeah. answers, answers the question. It's just like, yeah, like it was a referral basically based off of, you, you know, your reputation, your experience and as, as writers, you know, and just, you know, you guys in the same circles run, doing the same kind of thing, basically, or like it, you're exactly. a writer, he's producer, same, same world, basically. Yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 absolutely. Nice. And I have okay. another question before we move on. <laughs> Your IMDb has a movie listed called Judy Goose. Is that something that you actually did or is that just a, a miss? That is um uh that is like a that is a movie I made with my friend Gus in high school. Um <laughs> okay. which that is so it's funny. a feature length movie. It's an hour and twenty six minutes long. Like it it is yeah, it's so like, you know, <laughs> as all the slight stuff came out where it was like first feature, it's like yeah. yes, slide is my first feature. There is a feature length movie <laughs> that I made in high school that uh-huh. uh you know, uh, given, given the, the, what I now qualify as a feature film, uh, I don't think Judy Goose quite falls under. Um, uh, but yeah, for basically like my, my friend Gus, our senior project in, in school, uh, yeah, we, we were like, we're going to make a movie. We're going to make a Why is it on IMDb? Because, you know, when you're 19, it's really important that, the movie yeah. you make uh, is legitimized <laughs> by its credit I, on IMDb. I had a couple um, like that. I think they're yeah. still on there. My that's early so shorts that I'm like, why are they on there? There's that's yeah, like so you don't stupid. you don't know that you don't know that you don't want people to one day look for that uh, when you're 19. Um, right. So, uh, but no. It, well, now we all you know, know about it. Now we that's all know so about Judy Goose. Um, I can't wait uh, to see it. When's it going to come yeah. out? Uh, I think Criterion <laughs> is later this year. So uh. <laughs> nice. Okay. So so JD. So I mean, you you made slight. You go to Sundance. Then what happens? So uh, Sundance is the most fun on the entire planet. Um, uh, I mean, well, I guess back up a little bit. So you submit it, and then like, when do you hear that you get in, and how does that whole whole thing go down? Oh, so, I mean, yeah, so we, we submit it, we keep working on the movie. Um, while finishing the movie, I go help back at Bad Robot again for my other chef friend who's going on paternity leave. Um, uh, because, you know, the beautiful world of independent film, I mean, you know, I, I, you know, I was basically, not basically, I was paid $12,000 for Slight for the whole thing. I mean, this is, this is, like nice. my writing and directing fee combined. Um, I, I would right. do that in a heartbeat. And how long did you <laughs> work on it? I think we all it? would. Yeah, well, of course. How long did you work on it for? 
Uh, that, that equal, that, I think that I would say that that comes out to, well, let's see. I mean, I can do the math real quick. I mean, that is, that <laughs> it's is like $2 an hour or something. <laughs> that is basically February. Yeah. It's like February of 2015 mm-hmm. through November of 2016. Um, uh, it's like, a, like a year basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's not, it's not a sustainable wage. Um, and, and during uh, that time, could you work on other things or were you just completely buried in this movie? I would say 75% of that time, Slight was my full-time job. Wow. Um, yeah. um, so and and, the, and we are slowly else. approaching the point of why the thought of leaving the business crossed my head. Uh, crossed my <laughs> I mind. So, I can't wait. Um, I can't wait. <laughs> so, you know, so I, I was helping back at Bad Robot in November, um, a few months after I wrapped Slight. Uh, just, yeah, like keeping some keeping keeping rent money in my pocket um and uh i get a phone call literally while washing dishes uh i don't pick up because i assume it's student loans who are also regularly contacting me um and uh, i listen to the voicemail and hear that it's someone from sundance uh and i'm like well they i feel like they probably aren't calling like fourteen thousand films to say sorry uh so uh, <laughs> right. I, I should probably call them back um uh and there's a woman sherry furlow from over at sundance and uh she was inviting us to you know premiere the film in the 2016 next category um uh so i definitely sobbed for basically the rest of the day um, uh, <laughs> just because wow. that was so not even in my sphere of even just like the thought of opportunity. Um, uh, and then got like more emotional because I realized it meant that we had to finish a movie that we were maybe only two thirds done in the next like five weeks. Um, uh, and, and, and you know, the, the sort of like the, the, the thrill and excitement very quickly shifted into, I won't say the horror, but also like panic. We have, we have a lot of movie to finish in basically no time. Um, so this is like the story of this movie, like from the script to the finish. It's like everything's an accelerated timeline. Oh, every, I mean, again, yeah, slight from production to premiere. I mean, it's only like six months. Um, that's crazy. Um, um, so yeah, cause we, we wrapped, I, th- I want to say we wrapped first week of August. Um, yeah, we wrapped first week of August 2015 and had premiered the movie January 23rd, uh, 2016. Um, uh, so not, not a lot of time. Um, uh, so yeah, so we'd, we had gotten in with our work in progress cut, um, and then needed to turn that work in progress cut into a movie. Um, and yeah, rushed to do that over the holidays, got our DCP in like right after the New Year's. Um, and then, yeah, and again, like I said, going to Sundance with a film is just still one of the best experiences I've ever had. And weirdly, I think in, a, in its own special way is, was almost more fun than the movie coming out theatrically. Um, albeit I wasn't here for that, which I'll also explain. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just nice that the movie had a life suddenly. It existed outside of our computers and heads and, you know, small network of people who worked on it. Um, how big was the audience that it screened at, at Sundance? Uh, we, we, we premiered in li- the library, which I think is like 450. Um, was it a packed theater? 
uh, all of our shows were sold out, which was really fun. Wow, um, that's awesome. And were people reacting during the movie? Like in Absolutely. all the places that you, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, but that's, and, and that's also fun. in and also in new places, you know. Um, oh yeah. Uh, uh, just cause again, like we had never shown the movie. <laughs> so, uh, uh, there, cause there wasn't time. I mean, there, we just never had like a screening cause it was, we were right. still editing, ba- I mean, still not, we weren't cutting, but we were definitely still, you know, in the movie when we had gotten in. So we, we, yeah, we just never had time to really get more than like a couple of people wow. at a time to see it. <clears throat> um, so you know, then we, we came into the festival without like doing any sort of pre-sales or pre-screenings or anything. We, we really kind of leaned into, you know, like, let's take a page from the book of Bad Robot and just like come in with nothing, you know, and no expectation and no information about what this thing is. And, uh, you know, our log line was a little vague and we only released a couple of pictures and, you know, all of that. So, um, so it was really in a wild west kind of way fun to just watch the movie organically take on its own life, um, from its premiere screening and on. Um, and then, yeah, like to, to, to our, I guess, both surprise and thrill, um, offers started coming in on the film. Um, and that was just exciting because at the very least it was like, Oh my God, this movie might get an audience. And whether that's a VOD audience or this is a theatrical audience, just the fact that like, it seems like the road might not stop here was already validating. Um, and, you know, over the next couple of days, we, we kind of continued the, the conversation with a couple of people and, um, you know, Jason Blum wound up, uh, uh, taking the film to release it theatrically. Um, and was uh, there any, any thread between him and Eric because Eric had worked over there before? Funny enough, uh, <clears throat> that wasn't the reason like why it happened, but became like a funny topic once it was happening, you know? <laughs> oh, um, that's funny. uh, it was, yeah. Cause, cause in, in a long, in a roundabout way, it was basically, yeah a former Blumhouse assistant selling a movie yeah. back to Blumhouse. Cause I assume I was going to, I assume that at the, the story was going to lead to, he just brought it there and be like, look, dude, we were at Sundance and look at this movie we made. Do you guys want to help release it? Yeah. So it's funny. awesome. It happened organically. Yeah. It definitely happened organically. Well, there's obviously um, going to be Blumhouse people uh, at Sundance, of, right? So Eric getting some Blumhouse people to be at, a, at one of your screenings doesn't seem too unrealistic, you know? Yeah. And it, even as far as that's concerned, I'm not, I'm not positive if even that, was the oh, case. Wow. I, mean, I, I feel like, yeah, um, Blumhouse kind of saw it. Yeah. On, on their own. Uh, yeah. Saw it on their own. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we, we left Sundance with a distributor and that was psychotic to us. Um, and you know, the fact that the conversation was going to be a theatrical conversation was also insane. And you know, it's, it's so funny looking at that shift over even just the past two years, you know, right now I'm so less, I mean, I'm just like not as concerned with the movie going theatrical while obviously, and you know, almost subconsciously, like I would maybe always prefer it, but in, in terms of like active energy being spent on where I want the movie to, a movie to go, uh, there are just so many ways to release a movie and a lot of them very cool that I, I, I just am not so hung up on that. 
But but uh, yeah, I was gonna say having the the experience of seeing it at Sundance with an audience though doesn't that give you faith that movies are meant to be seen with an audience? Oh, it's absolutely. A different experience Abs- than if you just watch it at home. Absolutely. I I, I guess I, I I just mean yeah. Some some movies I feel less strongly about it. Like I will always prefer it to be theatrically released. I think. Um, but you know, there's some things that I'm writing and some things that I'm working on are like, oh, you know, it'd actually be really neat and almost weirdly more bespoke to the creative to do it over here or to do it like that. Gotcha. Um, okay. But regardless, uh, it was really important for Alex, my co-writer and I, you know, that this first one, even just, even just for the case of like validation to ourselves and our families and our friends that this movie come out in theaters, you know, um, and, you know, I just wanted like my friends in Philly to be able to see it. I wanted my friends in Chicago to see it, New York, and it, it just meant the world to me that, <clears throat> yeah, this like abstract thing that you know we'd all been working on for <laughs> pushing ten years, like suddenly had some real yeah. world yeah. consequence. <laughs> what um, amazing validation that you got between Sundance and the yeah. theatrical release! How much did you have? And, and how much did you have high. to do with the theatrical? That was all Blumhouse's decision, right? At at that point. Well, yeah, but uh, that that sort of you know, I'm not. There was not like a bidding war for the movie, but there were certainly offers that were being you know right. negotiated against each other, but. um you know, that, that, that's sort of what you're using in those like 2 a.m. conversations with your agents and, you know, uh, as they're sort of navigating incoming calls and emails. It's like, you know, person X is talking about X mini screens and this PNA and, you know, and these people are talking about they want to do a little bit of reshoots with you, oh, but they'll do X amount of screens and these like, so you're, you're, you're sort of navigating just giant shapes of offers that that yeah really come with very different uh i don't want to say baggage different but just conditions like they, they come yeah. with very different conditions yeah yeah where you know jason didn't want to touch the movie you know some other people wanted to redo like that part you know some other people i mean i i if i'm if i'm remembering correctly there was an offer to buy the movie to have it immediately remade by a bigger oh, director. Oh, that is funny. Uh, wow. Uh, um, yeah, that would that have been not so, the right way to go. That, that just, just like, yeah, just please wipe us off the face of the planet. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> As if you never <laughs> I mean, also, exactly. like, but at that yeah. time, when you took the Blumhouse offers, you probably had no idea that Jason would offer you a, a film to direct after that, right? I mean, that must have been a surprise. Oh, I, I mean... Yes and no. I mean, you know, our our second film, I mean, came together. Uh, I mean, that that's something we 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 wrote and sort of brought to Blumhouse. Um, but you know, yes, movie two was sort of already in the back of our heads. But um, you know, so much of Sundance was just like, what's going on with Slight? Right, you know, right. um, I mean, everybody tells you to like, you know, everybody wants to know what's next, so have your answer ready, and that's like loosely true but it's also like people aren't going to forget you like eight weeks later if you don't have that idea ready today you know it's just you know that that adage only i think has so much truth to it um so you know so yeah jason's jason's deal was that we'd get to do it theatrically and that meant the world to us and 
you know, and so began, I think, the hardest part of the slight experience, which was we sold the movie in January. Um, then you have to deliver the movie. And I obviously had no idea uh, what delivering a movie meant. And it's <laughs> yeah, kind of lightness. What does it mean? It's it's kind of split into to 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 two very massively tedious processes. Um, so on the one side, there's the legal side of delivering your film. I mean, and it, and it's basically every sound pixel of that motion picture needs to be cleared, um, and to hand the movie over in a legal sense to uh, a distributor, they basically are just making sure that they are not inheriting anything dangerous. You know, they, they don't want if, you know, if this person ever signed up for this or if that song is technically stolen or the real rights aren't quite there for what they need it to do, you know, all of that stuff has to be like so deeply and intensely vetted. Um, so how much of that is people asking you guys questions? Like, I understand talent releases are going to be no brainers and music releases, licenses and all those kind of general things. But if somebody sees something in the picture, because I, I go through this with my business affairs department in advertising where they'll see something and say, hey, that prop doesn't look generic. Can you get me some paperwork that says that it's cleared? Like, is that yeah, after I mean, the fact or it? It's, it's, it's kind of all of the above. I mean, there, there's sort of like the boilerplate paperwork that, yeah. you know, you have to, it, it sort of outlines what you need to deliver, um, and what you need to, uh, prove and what you need to show, you know, gratefully, um, uh, Alex, my writing partner, he, he was a producer on this film. So he actually dealt with the brunt of that with Eric, um, where, you know, I was, responsible for sort of the the other massive process um which was technically delivering the film um and that is you know four by three sixteen nine the movie scrubbed of english the movie scrubbed of music uh wow. running qc for theatrical dcp making sure that you know the black levels aren't 0.4 percent too dark and yada 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 right so it, uh, the, the, the massive sort of shift for me was like, we sold the movie in January and, you know, we sold slight for five times our budget. And, um, that's amazing. You wow. know, in, in our, in our head thinking like, great, going to see that check any day. Um, and, you know, we didn't not get paid for the delivery for another, 10 months and, and then um, were you and it's because and you, were you entitled to any of that money or were you, did you have in your contract for sure okay. but that money yeah. to, oh absolutely but and not i mean again not not a lot just based on the waterfall of financiers recouping you know everybody else recouping and blah blah blah, blah. um but you know so began the sort of like 10 month process of delivering that film and that turned into um a full-time job that like almost killed me because, you know, I'm still living basically off the, you know, the, 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 the pennies <laughs> left of the right. couple thousand dollars slight yeah. paid me. But the, the, with the added problem now is that it requires so much of my time that I actually can't make other money elsewhere. I can't go help at bad robot. I can't take side projects because, you know, 
where where we have to open the mix back up to fix things. We have to, you know, re-QC a bunch of new things. We have to redo some color for theatrical standards. You know, and, and it's when when you kind of realize that the movie that you showed Sundance is just not going to be the movie that you are showing a real audience. Or not a real audience, but a, a theatrical audience. Not uh-huh. that the cut changed, nothing like that, but just there are so many other things that have to be vetted for it yeah. to be able to play in like an AMC right. theater. Which is know? where I right. saw it. Um, <laughs> Hey, there you go. Yeah, I Thanks, think I man. Too. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just surprised that that's not something that Blumhouse does. Like you give them one master and then they create all the versions that need to be created from it. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Yeah, I mean, that that's sort of the like, you know, and this is where I learned, but that that's sort of like the gap in independent film acquisition. That's on you. All that stuff is on you. Wow. Um, and, you know, and look, it'd be one thing if our movie cost, you know, $5 million and we had reserved, you know, 250 grand for the sort of theatrical finishing of the film. But, you know, Sundance was the goal and we budgeted for a festival. You know, we, we were budgeting the film to like get it ready for a festival. So in a weird way, there's just not more money right. to like get the movie in better shape. So it just falls to <laughs> so, you. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's like you got you wow. got to do it. Um, so, is there anything you could have done in negotiating the distribution deal to make sure that you guys had kind of the money to get you through this process? I mean, possibly, but like in it, hindsight, it, could you go back and do it differently and save yourself I, some some headache? I don't really know, man. I, I don't. I don't really know. I mean, my my instinct is no, just because you know. It all things considered, you know, it, the, the budget of slight was not gigantic. And by way of that, you know, nor was its acquisition, you know, compared to like the $13 million, like birth of a nation buys and stuff. So it, it, it's just like, right. in a weird way, I think the attitude for everyone was just like, yeah, just yeah, like get, get it, it done. done, you know, yeah. just, just, that makes sense. Just get it done. Um, you know, I think for, for, for us, and this is like not Blumhouse's fault. This is, this is literally just us learning the process and it being, and being unfamiliar to it. But it's like, you know, I think routinely we just felt like delivery was around the corner and then we just realized actually how much more work it was, you know? Um, and, you know, when things fail QC and then you got to go do it again and bought, like it just, it just continued to, uh, to stick around. And it was in that time where like the, the the notion that slight was coming out theatrically like weirdly meant nothing to me because of just really how hard life was alternatively. <laughs> um, yeah. And it was that it was that really and again grateful for all of this experience in hindsight. Uh, obviously, it's a very different thing to live through it, but you know making decisions to like put gas in my car to go to a QC or like buy groceries. Like I just, that, that was not a fun, uh, that was not a fun period. So uh, is this uh, when you wanted in a to weird quit, way, basically was this the moment? 
And that, and that's exactly where it was like, is this, any of this worth it? Like, I, I can't eat. Like, I'm, I, I like lost, I literally lost weight in this, you know, eight month, eight, 10 month span just because of, you know, how meagerly I was taking care of myself. I mean, right. it, you're it, killing it was, yourself for this movie. And, and in a weird way, you know, it's like, I, I kind of likened it to being, you know, you're, you're kind of like the captain of a sinking golden ship that will one day be pulled from the bottom of the ocean. Um, and it's just like, you know, Jacob Lattimore is off doing new movies and storm is cast in wrinkle in time. And, you know, my DP is off doing great new things and editor and every, everybody's, you know, as they should be <laughs> has left the movie to go right. carry on. And, and you're like, um, I got your stuff. Uh, stupid thing. Oh, I can't. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm going down with the ship. That's yeah, uh, I've had that um, feeling before. We're always so, the last one standing. It's like the, the, the directors and the producers, right? Yeah. That's it. That's it. Um, so that's just where it got really, 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 yeah, weird and dark. Cause it was just like, I, I, I don't know why I'm even doing this now. And again, I, I, I did, if I were to zoom all the way out and like, you know, do my 10 minutes of headspace app on my phone and actually think about what's going on. But, uh, you know, at the time it just like, I, I couldn't even quite sense what the upside is just because i was in such a bad place um was there a light at the end of the tunnel while you're doing this or did it just feel like it was going to go on forever the light was really like please one day pay for delivery you know and again and this is nothing to do with like blumhouse's process or anything it's just like you just the delivery cannot be you cannot invoice the delivery until the movie is delivered you know, that's like my <laughs> so work. it's like until uh, <laughs> my edits finish, I can't yeah, it's like, send an invoice. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we were in a similar space. So every time, you know, the DCP fails QC for the most uh, annoying reason, it, it just like it's a kick in your gut to like, okay, that's at least another two weeks until oh, we're paid. Man. You know, um, um, so it was just like that that type of feeling of like constantly feeling like you're close and and honestly weirdly that's where at least in my own personal experience i just found that it's actually um it's emotionally more difficult to be owed money and not know when it's coming than to like not even have like work lined up it it just there's something about like the hope of any day now that is actually far more draining (laughs) than (laughs) just like i don't know how anything's gonna work um and especially having lived very, very severely in both worlds, um, uh, way more sort of mind numbing and unnerving to just be like, maybe today. Nope, not today. Okay. Maybe today. Not, not today. Like for months. Like that, no. that is crazy making. So this is like um, February or March of last year when this is happening. This is, this is now. No, this would have been 2016. Oh. So this would have been February through October okay. of 2016. Um, so uh, at the end of the year, everything sort of happened at the same time. Um, uh, Alex, my running partner, my other dear friend, also named Alex, uh, the three of us wrote a script called Sweetheart. Um, Wait, so when did uh, the movie come out? Did it come out in 2016 kind of- or 2017? 
The movie came out in oh, 2017. Oh, it took a full year. Basically, oh wow, a full year Crazy. and some change. Yeah, it yeah, must yeah, have been yeah. like March or April of last year. It was. Right. It was oh, April. For some of last reason, year. I was thinking yeah. this is all last year when this was happening. Oh, interesting. So it took all. So you no, saw the no, movie no. at so, yeah, Sundance. It's suddenly it been a second. Another year for it to get finished. Wow. For it to come out. Yeah. Well, honestly, it it it. I would say it technically was finished in like July of that year, but then for the other like legal things and this and that, whatever, like, you know, it wasn't considered delivered until, uh, October. And that was all gearing up for an April release. Okay. So, um, so the movie did actually kind of like sit for a second, um, as like a finished DCP before it was, uh, it, before it was theatrically released. Um, so, so around that October, November, you know, we had finally gotten paid for delivery um, we had also just taken out our script sweetheart, which is kind of a contained horror thriller. Um, uh, and you know, we took it out to a couple of places and ended up just going back to Blumhouse. Um, uh, just because, you know, Jason is incredibly bullish and, you know, effective and, uh, you know, had really been a good partner through slight. Um, and look, we were making a horror movie. So I mean, that's uh, like every filmmaker's uh, dream is to be able to like go to Blumhouse and like have your film produced by them. Well, you know, the other thing that was really, uh, you know, I think important for us is so again, this is maybe September of 2016. Um, so we go into Blumhouse and you know, they're like, Hey, so just to give you a little sense of like the kind of things we're working on, you know, so we want to, sh- we want to show you this movie that's still in post that, you know, just to give you a vibe of like really what we're after these days. And, um, we watched this then unheard of movie called get out. Oh, wow. Uh, Crazy. <laughs> um, you know, about five months before it's or four months before it's screened uh, yeah. at Sundance that year. Um, and we're Did like, your head explode. Oh, well, it was so fun watching that movie with absolutely no frame of reference. (laughs) Like, didn't know what it was about, knew that Jordan Peele had made it, and that was absolutely it. Like, that was absolutely it. So, no hype, no nothing, just seeing that movie. And then I remember when it was over, we were like, we like looked to each other and we're like, I don't know, but this is going to maybe be really important to people. Uh, (laughs) um, And I just remember like when I'd heard that was coming out in Sundance, like, you know, I I obviously wasn't like out there bragging that I had seen this movie, but it was also just like whispering to my friends in Sundance when I heard that, that they were going to show get out. And it was just like, go see this movie. It is unlike anything I've ever seen. Um, Um, but, you know, see, seeing that they were sort of in, off, also operating in, in that space, um, and sort of, the, you know, like the alt thriller horror space was, was really, uh, was really exciting for us and taking our movie there too. Um, I mean, obviously Get Out is better than, uh, anything I'm working on or have worked on, but, you know, it still was an, an incredible thing for us to see at that stage. And we're just kind of, you know, navigating our first full feature with Blumhouse. Um, uh, and just, yeah, re- really re- was really an inspiring thing so for us. When so, they showed you that, did, did they already accept your movie or, or buy, want to, or put an offering on your movie? Or was it more like 
where they're reading your movie and they're like, oh, check this out. Like, what what was the timeline? Uh, no, it, it, we we had already sold it to uh, okay. them, but it was just like, you know, it was kind of like Blumhouse Film School. Like, come check out like what we nice, nice. think is great. Awesome. Well, then you know? at that point you must uh, be like, like, oh, we also yeah, you think must this be is like, great. oh my god, we made the best deal ever. <laughs> Look at the awesome stuff they're producing. Yeah, yeah exactly. It was like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, if our movie is like one tenth as good as that, like great success. Um, uh, so, so yeah, that's, that's like September of 2016. Uh, and we are gearing up for, uh, like a Mayish shoot for the next movie or sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Like a April, May shoot for the next uh, movie. I want to stop really um, quickly just cause this is a conversation I've had with some other producers, um, you know, and trying to get my movie made or whatever, and then complain to me about past experiences. But why didn't you go back to Eric with your next project? Was it just because you knew that he didn't have the resources to do the movie at the level that you wanted to do? Or did you actually take it to Eric and he passed? Like w- w- what was the story there? No, I mean, it was, Quite literally, yeah. I mean, what 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 you just said. I mean, you know, Eric was still making movies for you know about the. I mean, a little more than the range of Slight, but uh, the price of Slight, but was still sort of in that range. Um, so it wasn't like a contentious conversation at all. It was like, look, we really want to make this thing for five to ten, you know, and that that at that at the time was just not something that he. I think was quite able to furnish. So it was really like a kind of no harm, no foul conversation to just, yeah, at at least tell him what was going on. And, you know, and, and he totally got it. And also like, we still do business with Eric in other ways. So, um, you know, it, it it wasn't, yeah, it, it really wasn't that kind of thing of like, you know, kick him off and we're going to go blow up now, (laughs) man. Like, yeah. Uh, uh, it was just like, you know, we had the conversation and yeah, it, it just was not exactly the, the type of thing he was financing yeah, at the time. You guys will probably work together again in the future. Well, and funny enough, we produced a movie with him, uh, also last year. Oh, uh, awesome. so, you know, like, yeah, we, we, we definitely, uh, yeah, we definitely still, uh, still work with him. So when you sign on to do a movie with someone like Blumhouse, do they, give you all the resources you need to make your movie. Can you bring in any of the people that you worked on slight with, or do they want to just give you all their own people? Uh, I mean, it's kind of all of the above. I mean, you know, the one thing I will so severely say about, you know, is so true about Blumhouse is that they let you make your movie, you know? Um, uh, I, I think that there are ways to sort of, you'll like with any financier, you know, based on the the number of what you're shooting for financially, you know, there will be things that people are more or less comfortable with. Um, and, and a certain, to a certain extent, you know, yes, go make your movie, but also, you know, you have to have the conversation about minimizing risk. Um, uh, so, you know, creatively. Yeah. I mean, we, we were, quote unquote, allowed to shoot the movie that we wanted to shoot. Um, you know, in terms of crew, I mean, it was just a very evolved, that conversation evolved a lot. I mean, first there was just the notion of, you know, we shot this movie in Fiji. So, uh, it, it is actually cost prohibitive to bring my slight. Right. Of course. Um, (laughs) um, where, you know, both because of the value of the dollar and then also proximity, you know, Australia and New Zealand are much better options for us. Um, 
and we ended up having a predominantly Kiwi and uh, Australian crew for this one. Um, uh, so yeah, there were, there were just like, there were a lot of, there were a lot of, there were a lot of things to navigate even before just the like, the, the broad creative conversation of like, who should we work with? I mean, it was first like, where are we working? I mean, you know, and I scouted, um, you know, uh, Panama and, you know, we almost went to the DR, but, you know, ended up going to Fiji just because all the pieces sort of clicked in in the right place. Um, so, you know, they, they were very, uh, they were very open to at least me talking to the people that I wanted to, but a, a large degree of our, you know, look, everyone who worked on that movie, like, was obviously like, it wasn't just because they were from Australia or New Zealand. Um, uh, huge creative component to that as well. But at least the, the pools that we were pulling from, you know, we had to focus in on that pretty quickly in prep. Nice. Did you find that having more money changed the way that you directed, like, over Slight? Did, did it feel different being on the set of Sweetheart? I'm guessing you had more shoot days to start with. We did have more shoot days, but the, the, the thing that's so peculiar about going from slight to sweetheart is yes, we had like significantly more money, but also, you know, it was a show that was a hundred percent exteriors in a hostile environment in the middle of nowhere. And because of that, I mean, there are pieces of sweetheart that actually felt way more independent than slight because you know, you, you can't get a honey wagon to an island that you can walk the circumference of in 15 minutes. You know, you can't get <laughs> right. these these tools that, you know, some of which we actually had on Slight and not on Sweetheart. Um, you know, granted, we had a bigger crew and more hands and more help. and um, But, you know, it, it wasn't like a, a, a direct... It wasn't like just naturally a bigger feeling movie just because of the sort of production um, uh, challenges that were just yeah, built the into the film. Gotcha. You know, how many shoot days did you get out of that? Uh, I should definitely know this. Um, I want to say we had like 25. Okay. Uh, so like two more weeks. Yeah. Sounds pretty healthy. Yeah. Something I like, like that. that. <laughs> yeah. That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm literally just like Googling. This is why I love Gmail. It's so easy <laughs> Google's to find so things. great. Um, 26 days. Okay. So, um, sounds pretty good. So yeah, that's, again, a, that's a good we, amount of time to shoot a feature. Uh, it certainly is. I mean, you know, again, our, this movie came with its own, uh, bear of restraints and challenges. Um, uh, but you know, it, it, it was really revealing and just, I don't know. And, and just at least showing me that, you know, you, you have to be really active in this process. And, you know, just because you made one movie doesn't mean the next movie is going to be easier, which is like common sense to me two movies in, but was not common sense to me one movie in. Um, right. You're like, you oh, know, why is this still as hard? <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, wow. I just thought everything would be uh, a dream. Um, and, and it's just not it's just not the case, you know, and there, there are certainly things that I think I, you know, I grew from slight to sweetheart and then that there are there are certain there are certainly things where i feel like i maybe did better on slight than i did sweetheart and oh, interesting it, it's just it's just being aware that you know it, you know I, I make this joke all the time and i would never say this to a crew but it's like if i painted you a painting i wouldn't call myself a painter you know it, it's like i painted you a painting now 
you know, the, the, the identity of director is very binary. It's like, have you made a movie? Yes. You're a director. Cool. Uh, and like kind of end a conversation, but you know, just that, that philosophy doesn't really a lot for, you know, your own self-discovery and your yeah. own ability to find your process. You know, like I, I am really excited about whatever movie three is going to be because it's like, You'll know that much more having done two in advance of it. Yeah, the third, and there's a little there's a little more. bit of Goldilocks in there. You know, it's like yeah, too warm, too cold, and now now it's <laughs> right. like okay, just right, just right. Um, um, and then and then your fourth movie, you'll you'll totally overthink it and you'll botch it. And then, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that that's the movie I'll really screw up. Um, um, so so I have more sweetheart questions, but we're kind of short on time. So I kind of want to ask a couple questions about your next project or what might be your next project and then get to our final five questions. Um, yeah. so I, I looked on IMDb and I see that you're attached as the writer and director of the fly remake. Um, can you talk about that at all? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's still, it's still pretty early days. I mean, we have delivered a draft of our first script and we're, we're actively in the middle of that, um, uh, in the middle of that rewrite, uh, after getting some really, you know, great thoughts from our partners. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's, it's been, it's been a really fun process. I mean, obviously just being such a huge fan of the originals, uh, it, you know, it, it's also our first real swing at, yeah, I mean, working with IP, um, or, or, or at least, you know, getting the gig and working with that IP. Um, right. And, you know, it's a, it's a really interesting and, and sort of fun conversation of, you know, when you are playing with things that already exist, you know, where do you pay homage? Where do you borrow? Where do you invent? You know, um, and I, I, I talk all the time about these movies because they're just, so good to me. Uh, I, I think the Planet of the Apes franchise is the like the best contemporary franchise. Uh, I agree. Of like it's so good. Blockbuster films, and what I love about them is that you know they don't they don't concede it's they don't concede their emotionality for their scale at all. You know, like that they are they are definitely movies that like are big and fun and bombastic. And there are moments in the middle of them where I like, I'm looking at that char character and I'm that they, they are conjuring memories of their other films, like very, very, very organically. And I'm never watching like, you know, movie eight of something. And it's like, wow, that really brings me back to that moment in movie three, you know, like that just doesn't, that just doesn't happen. But like you look in Caesar's eyes and you're like, these people are mad at him because he doesn't trust humans, but you got, or they, he, that he trusts humans. But guys, if only you knew, like his first James Franco buddy, and like you would get <laughs> right, it, and like exactly, like, that, that does not that does not happen to me when I watch other like most other franchises, um, right? Uh, and I, I just think like you know really the shift that Matt Reeves brought to that just like so fix the, I mean, someone, someone mentioned this to me the other day and I, now I'm obsessed with saying it. So whoever did tell me this, uh, kudos, but I'm sorry. I don't remember who it was. Um, but it's just that like apes are like, they should be nominated for best foreign language film. I mean, you're, you're, you're watching a movie that is 
predominantly not in English and, and just in the sense that there's no, you know, there's like barely spoken language in two and three. Um, you know, you're making an audience read subtitles for half the movie <laughs> in a summer blockbuster. Like yeah. it's just an insane, it's an insane swing and they are so effective. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's pretty cool. We really took, and, and I'm, I'm really grateful we're, we're working with pretty much the same team being Fox and Chernin on the fly. And that, that has definitely instilled a lot of confidence, uh, in us. Um, is and, Cronenberg you know, involved at all? Uh, you know, it's right now, it's like, I, I guess here's kind of what I would say to that. Like, it's a miracle that a movie ever gets made. And, you know, <laughs> in, in, in looking for the right time to like reach out to, to people who are like deeply tied to IP or working on, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, look, the fly, they've tried to make the fly a number of times or God knows how long. And it's like, I feel like the opportunity to have the conversation with, you know, the, the, the person who brought it back into the cultural consciousness, you know, it, it's when the movies, it's when the movie's getting made. Um, okay. you know, because in, in, until that point, it's just like, it's all so speculative. It's just so speculative. Right. Um, right. Cause this is not the like, first time they've tried to bring this back. It's not, it's not. And, you know, and we're, we're sensitive and understanding of that. So, you know, I, I, I definitely don't want it to be the kind of thing where like, yeah, you know, get attached to anything loosely and then be like, and can I talk to, you know, George Lucas about this? It's like, okay, wait a second. Like, let's see if it's, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's see if it's happening right. first. Um, so that, that's um, where I, we are. And just one step back on that. Did this deal happen after slight came out and had such success at the box office or when did this whole you getting attached to the fly thing happen yeah i mean it was it was after it was in that window after slight came out and while we were in prep for uh actually no slight hadn't come out because sorry i the slight came out um we premiered Slide on April 6th, and then uh, I moved to Fiji on April 7th. And then Slide actually came out like the 23rd of that month. Um, so all of the Fly stuff was kind of happening at the same time as setting up Sweetheart to go. Uh, uh, oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, it was like this weird window where, yeah, we were kind of spinning a, a, a number of plates, um, actively prepping. Yeah, actively prepping Sweetheart, getting Slide ready for... Uh, theatrical and doing all of its press and then building out our take for um uh for the fly and and was that like your your agents and your managers making that fly deal happen or did the people you know the studio reach out like come to you with the fly project or how did that whole thing happen you know i mean it it it, it happened the way that I, I i think a lot of these things do where it's honestly a mix of all of that at the same time you know your your agents are hopefully you know, sending your name out to, to people and, um, you know, wanting them to meet you based on, you know, your, your, your previous work. And at the same time, you know, like I, I had known our Fox exec through a general meeting and, you know, really dug each other's sensibilities. And so it is just kind of this mix, but, you know, very rare does it happen where someone calls you up and is like, I want you to do like, th- IP, right. you know, right, like, <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, and look, I hope to one day be there, but uh, that's certainly not the vibe right now. You know, like anything, right. it's here's a piece of IP that we're looking at, you know, reactivating. Let us know what your take is. 
Um, um, and you know, this particular one, the lion's share of that work we did with our producers at Chernin before we, you know, even really talked to Fox about it. So it, it, it was, um, yeah, it was producer before studio on this, but, um, um, but yeah, like a lot of these things, it's, you know, you, you hear that this is being worked on and you go in and talk about it and you kind of hear its history and hear what, you know, everybody's expectation of it is now and what they're kind of thinking. And then, yeah, you go away and you invent a movie that sort of, you know, is hopefully wholly your own, but also, um, you know, also does what it needs to do to, to, deserve the title that you're, you're, you know, you're, you're fighting for. Um, uh, and then, yeah, that, that's what you pitch them back and hope that it's something that they dig. And, you know, if it is, you, you get to write it. So you did the pitch to them while you were in pre-production for Sweetheart then? Yeah. 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 Wow. That's, that's so crazy, cool. man. Well, Ulrich and I are huge fly fans. So we are so excited yeah. to see what you do with that. We really hope that this happens because this would be cool. Uh, I, I, yeah, I would man. like to shoot this movie. I like it a lot. So <laughs> I hope it, I nice, hope it man. happens too. Yeah, I, hope it happens. I could that see some awesome. Cronenberg influence in, in slight. I oh, absolutely. We got a little, we got, yeah. we got a little, uh, you know, DIY yeah, for a bunch device. of body horror. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and when is sweetheart coming out? Is there a release date yet? We're figuring that out right now. Um, you know, it, it it's, we're not, we're not quite, we want to make sure that, you know, the, again, like I was saying, just the, the release for the film is kind of bespoke to the type of film that it is. Um, and, you know, that, 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 that scale, I think just gets even broader, like every few months because of how many ways there are to release a movie. <laughs> um, um, so, you know, it's an active conversation right now, but also, you know, part of how, um, you know, it sometimes works over at Blumhouse is that, you know, that conversation is had when the movie is done. Um, gotcha. you know, just because, you know, they, they, they make a lot of, they make a lot of movies and yeah. it, it's, it's way easier to figure out where it should go when you can actually check it out. Yeah. So, so you um, guys aren't like running know. towards a date. You're just, no, we're not chasing a date or anything okay. like that. Yeah. Just finishing it up. That's nice. great. Um, well, we should probably wrap it up. Timothy, do you have a last question before we move on to our final five? I do. The last question, because I would be remiss in not asking this, is how important do you think it is for filmmakers to be in L.A. if they want to make a career out of this? You know, I, uh, I'm i sometimes the wrong person to ask about this, because I think most of my career steps are oriented to trying to get out of L.A., um, but... Uh, <laughs> very, very funny. Uh, <laughs> um... You know, I'm hitting my 10 years here in June. Yeah. Well, uh, where would like, you oh. make movies if you could choose anywhere in the world? London, you said? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, it's like not all this. I want to just live in London selfishly. Like, I just like it there. It's not. It has very <laughs> yeah. little to do. It has very little to do with, like, the industry of yeah. Britain and more just to do with, like. That's okay. Let's say, say industry aside, if you could just live anywhere and make movies, where would you go? Oh, definitely be in London for sure. Okay. Like with, with yeah. like not, it doesn't, I don't have to like put any brain power to that decision. I just know that's, yeah, that's what it is. Um, but in terms of if it's important or not, I mean, look, I mean, I, 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 I feel like they're really, and not to just be annoying and say both, but like, you know, there are two very specific routes. You know, one really is just being out here, making those connections, like, 
figuring it out through your network and relationships and blah, 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 blah. You know, but then it's like, as far as I know, like M Knight has never lived in LA. Like Jeremy Saulnier is, you know, on the East Coast. Like these directors who I love ha- have have certainly figured it out without ever living here. Um, you know, yeah, man, it, it's but just they're a, not working on the Fly remake. Yeah, you but are, like yeah. you are. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I don't think we can compare <laughs> my career to Jeremy's or uh, right, right. right. But, stay in your right, own lane right. is what we say all this time. Just stay in your own lane. Yeah. Um, man, but you know, funny. it's like, look, I, I think in a weird way, just with the democratization of you know film technology, it's way easier to go shoot your movie in the middle of nowhere. You know, like once you get wrapped up into the, the real logistics of you know, the, the guilds and permits and blah, blah, blah. Like there's this very special thrill that if you just went and shot your movie in like Oklahoma, you know, people would be kind of like down to help you out because it's such a foreign thing. Um, right. But then again, you don't meet the Eric Fleischmann's of the world, um, in Montana or, you, don't. you know, San Francisco even, you know, it's just you, like, you don't, that's not but, where yeah, they are. It, the, the, but yeah, it's, it's just that like, it's just that weird thing of, you know, for as many stories as there are of people getting it figured out here, you know, there are the the primers, there are the blue ruins, you know, there are these movies that, um, you know, there's brick, like there are these movies that just like kind of cut through um, and yeah. suddenly an original voice is born and it's not one that, you know, uh, is living in West Hollywood. Um, um, so, you know, I... I I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm attracted to life outside of LA that my, my instinct is like, God, it'd be so cool to just like drop a crazy movie out of Boulder, Colorado (laughs) and never even heard of this person. Uh, (laughs) um, you know, I, I look, I ultimately think I have benefited tremendously from being out here. And, uh, again, I, I don't, I just don't know what my career is without ever having been in LA. So like, that's just like the, the, the brutal honesty. But I, I also feel like, look, it's an expensive city. Not everyone has the sort of flexibility or the means to just like drop everything and come out here. And luckily, you know, it's like, it's, it's, I guess it's more just identifying the fact that there's still plenty of hope to get a movie made outside of the city, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad okay. that was your answer. Yeah. That's a good answer. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right, I have my final question. So, I'm, I'm sure a lot of listeners like me are listening to this story and saying like, wow, this is like my dream come true. So like your career, basically. So <laughs> do you have any advice for filmmakers out there trying to follow in your footsteps? Like what, what should they be doing? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, on, on the writing side, it's just like, you have to keep writing original things and wh- whether, you know, you're in LA chasing gigs or you're, you know, in Boulder, Colorado, making that, working on that thing. Um, there's, there's nothing more helpful than just having a body of work. And regardless of any job that I've ever swung for, nothing has done more for me than specs. Like it just, there's suddenly a conversation that can be had off of work. And, you know, you can talk about the things that you're working on and the things that you want to do, but nothing is louder than handing someone, you know, 
a 90 to 130 page document being like, this is the thing that I care about. It's just, it, it just completely sets the ground for a conversation to actually be able to happen. Um, so I would say kind of like that's it on the writing side. And then on the directing side, m- my weird like soapbox issue with, you know, talking to, you know, other emerging filmmakers is that, again, because of the democratization of the technology, you know, while I think shorts are an important way to kind of find your voice and experiment and blah, 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 I so firmly believe, like, just go shoot a feature. Like, as, like, as many steps as that advice just skips over, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I truly believe, like, nothing will... You know, it, 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 it really is like the, the, it's, it's the new barometer for can you do this? I mean, you know, I, I feel like six, seven years ago, you had a lot of people like getting featured gigs off of shorts just because like that was really the, the, the proving ground. But, you know, you scroll through your Vimeo staff picks and this and that, like there's just so many short films now. Yeah. That it, it actually, you, you kind of need the bolder statement of having just shot a feature, uh, to I think kind of, cut through the already remarkable amount of talent that's out there. So, you know, anytime my friends are kind of like, yeah, I'm trying to like raise like 75 G's for, you know, this like 30 minute proof of concept. I'm like, definitely just see if your idea can work for that 75 G's, you know, like they're, they're, you know, again, like you, you look at how cool primer was and how backyard it's process really was, you know, they're, they're, you really don't need, I think, as much as you think these days to put together a feature. And part of that is writing to your parameters and writing to right. what you know. And that's literally what Slight was. We knew the budget of Slight before we wrote page one. Um, so, wow, okay. You know, because of that, the, the game plan was like, let's make a movie that we can definitely do and then like throttle it 15% into uh, ambitious, but like, not 150, you know, not like we're, we're not trying to literally make Star Wars for $1, but like, right. <laughs> yeah, let's have a couple more VFX than we're comfortable with. Yeah, let's have a yeah. couple more things than we're comfortable with. But like, you know, we, we want to be impressive for the budget, not exactly to the budget. Um, uh, but you know, that, that's part of the writing process is just, it, it's, it's way better to sort of, write something you know you can do as opposed to, you know, taking your billion dollar idea and trying to deconstruct it into something you can shoot over the course of, you know, 20 weekends. Um, right. Um, right. At, at least in my, at least in my opinion. Well, and, that, and that's the kind of advice we've been hearing from a lot of our guests mm-hmm. is just like, go make a feature. Like shorts aren't enough anymore. And, and unless you win Sundance with your short and even then it might not be yeah, enough. Even then. You totally, know? So totally. it's like, you need that feature. Yeah, I've heard so. somebody say that, um, make a short to prove to yourself that you can make a film and make a feature to prove to other people you can make a film. Yeah, that's like definitely nice. just the way more eloquent version of what I feel. Yeah, that, that's, that's, a, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a great that's way funny. to say awesome. it. Well, shall we jump into the final five? Yeah, yeah, let's All do right, it. So, JD, these are five questions that we've been asking every filmmaker that has been on the show. And it's just really interesting to hear how everyone answers these differently. So the idea here is um, there's five questions just to give us like a one to two sentence answer for each one of them. Okay, cool. All right. So the first is David Fincher says you're doing pretty good if you can get 70% of what you want on a film set. Do you agree? And if so, what percentage did you get from Slight and Sweetheart? Oh, geez. Um, I think that is completely accurate. 
Um, and, you know, I would say without making it a 40 minute answer, uh, I would say slight was like 80 and sweetheart was maybe 70. But the only difference between slight and sweetheart is that I think what sweetheart meant to me evolved while I was in the movie, which was a peculiar experience and something. Yeah. We could talk forever about another time, but, um, uh, that that's how I would kind of separate them. Nice. And what's the thing you struggle with the most as a filmmaker? Uh, I, uh, maybe how to best spend my time, you know, as writing and directing have kind of, you know, while they are related, but they're, they're, they're also many times not, um, you know, there, there still is, yeah, just the problem of, yeah, should I be writing right now? Should I be reading, looking for the next thing that I haven't written? Um, should I be over here or over there? Or, you know, should I do this job that'll take a year and a half and lose these other things potentially? Um, you know, I think I'm, I'm constantly just trying to find better ways to, to, yeah, to, to navigate my, my, my own time. If you could travel back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? I think it would really be to kind of like what I was talking about before, just be writing while you're swinging for jobs. I, I, I would be, while I'm happy with where we're headed, I, I would also love and have loved if I emerged from those couple of years. Uh, yeah. With more original features that I was, uh, that I was proud of as a writer. Uh, do you have a goal as a filmmaker? Uh, my only goal is to create an environment around myself to just to, to just sort of be creatively autonomous. And I, I don't quite mean just like by myself as a human being, but to, to, to be able to really ingest an idea as purely an idea first and just have the flexibility to, you know, assign it a medium and know that it will have life in that medium. So if, if I just wake up and like this thing and realize it's a better podcast than a TV show or a better feature, you know, uh, narrative than a documentary or whatever, but just to, to, to find myself in, a, in circumstances where, yeah, I could kind of like will things into existence, you know, and, and, and really have the flexibility to do so where I would want to. All right, and the last question, is making movies hard? And if so, why do you do it? Oh, it's so hard. It's so, it's so, so, so hard. Uh, but, you know, going back to the theater experience, uh, every single time I'm in the seat in the movie theater and, you know, the splash animation plays for whatever theater you're seeing it in and the lights go down and there's that, like, one or two seconds of dark before your movie starts. Uh, I remember exactly why I do this. And it's, it, it's just for that feeling right there of not knowing what's coming next. And, uh, you know, the, the possibility that what I'm about to see could really mean something to me. Wow. That's awesome, man. So, uh, thanks so much, JD, for being on the show. Yeah, uh, where too. can people find your work, man? Uh, well, yeah, there'll be more news on Sweetheart soon. Um, you know, Slight is on all its platforms and Amazon and iTunes and yada, yada. Uh, or, you know, like stop me on the street and I'll send you a Blu-ray or something. I think I have like eight left. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, right, right now that's, that's, that's where to see the stuff.
Are you on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, any of those things? Yes, I am. Um, I'm on both Instagram and Twitter as a JG Diller, G being my middle initial Gabriel, uh, nice. which everybody always gets confused that it's not JD Diller, but yeah, it's JG Dillard. <laughs> Wait a second, I thought your name was JD. <laughs> Wait, oh. I thought your name was JG. JG just, if, if I went by JG, it, it just sounds like I have a speech impediment. Yeah, it's JG, harder to JG say. just doesn't, <laughs> it's just, yeah. yeah, the syllables are too similar. Um, but yeah, JG Dillard on, uh, on all the socials. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've been talking for almost two hours now and I know this is going to be like a huge hit with our, with our audience. Cause oh, awesome. I don't know, man. I mean, your story is amazing and it just speaks to, I think a lot of things, you know, like per- perseverance, not giving up, putting yourself out there and it just, you know, to the time it takes to, to form a career, you know, and even when all the success is happening, yeah. how long the success happen, takes to, to yeah, happen. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, know. it's interesting because I've read about you before we talked to you and like the little blurbs you hear about how you got the movie made and like where you are now, you know, they happen in like a paragraph. But to talk to you for like this long and hear all the steps that it took and how many years it took and the moments of self-doubt, like all that stuff is really important. And it really kind of fleshes out what that experience is like, because there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are just they're in the middle of those like years, that long stretch of years where nothing's happening and they don't know if it's ever going to happen. And they're trying to figure out what their what the right moves are and how to how to make the right decisions to get to where to be in a place where like where you're at. And we don't always know. You never know when you're on that journey what the right decisions are until, you know, it's easy to say once you're on the other end of success, like what kind of contributed to the success. But when you're in the middle of it, you don't know how to get there. Well, and, you know, I think even, yeah, just to end on that point, it's like, you know, it's the irony of the the 10 year overnight success, you know, like you do the thing <laughs> yeah. forever. And then it seems like an important piece happens kind of immediately. But even that piece has threads that have been, you know, that go back years and years and years. Um, but yeah, the, it, it's and even on the other side, you know, it's just funny. Like the, the finish line keeps moving. Um, like right. I, I, and <laughs> it's not, not even, like you're on the other e- side going, I made it. I'm done. I was going to say, yeah. And not even literally not even stemming from a point of humility, but it's like, even here, I'm like, God, I just need to like make a movie. Like I just need to get it done. <laughs> right, um, that feeling never uh, goes away. It doesn't go away. And honestly, probably healthy that it doesn't. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. If it did, then why would we continue to do this? Yeah. Then I would just play like Far Cry 5 and Stardew Valley and just <laughs> yeah, actually absolutely. actually enjoy my time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah totally. That's funny. All right. Well, we should wrap things up. Um, thanks to everyone for listening and thanks again to JD uh, for being on the show. Um, you can check out our website at makingmoviesishard.com where you can find the links to the things we talked about on this episode, including trailers to JD's movies. If there's a sweetheart trailer out there, I don't think there is. Um, not yet. But, you know, yeah, not yet. Stay tuned. Um, and if you want to get in contact with us, you can send us an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at MMIH Podcast. And please, if you like the show, tell a friend, spread the word, leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. You don't have to re- leave like a full written review. You could just, you know, give us some stars, whatever you want. And yeah, thanks again, JD and Timothy for a fantastic Thank episode. Thank you guys. That was fun. Thanks for having me. Okay, Liz, I know you weren't here for this conversation because this was before your time as our co-host, but if JD was on the show today, what is a question that you would ask him? Oh, man. I mean, it would be just the emotional, the emotional roller coaster of premiering at Sundance and like the, 
what happened afterwards emotionally? Like, was there a embrace by the industry? Did he feel swept up or was it anticlimactic? I'd want to know, like, what would the emotional experience of that would be? What What would you have asked that you didn't ask? Oh, my God. I want to hear all the details that he can't talk about, about being attached to a Star Wars project than being not attached to a Star Wars project, <laughs> being attached to a, a Superman project and not being attached. I want to hear all the stuff that he's allowed to talk about, if anything, with those, because I'm sure he signed all kinds of NDAs. But I'm still, I would love to hear what that experience is like to be like attached to something that everyone's eyes are on. You're like in the big trades, like mm. everyone's talking about this. Director J.D. Dillard's the next guy to direct the next Star Wars movie. Like, what is that whole experience like? Like, how did that affect his career or not? And then, like, how is he moving forward after like kind of being at that high and now like, you know, not really being in the news anymore? That's what I'd want to talk about. Yeah. Well, okay, you can always send us a question, comment, or suggestion to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com. If you like the show, you can leave us a review on iTunes. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at MMIH Podcast, YouTube at Making Movies is Hard Podcast. Thanks to our bonus episode editor, Jeff Brymuth, for doing the editing. Thanks to our producer, Eric Toms, for being awesome. Thanks to all of you for listening, and talk to y'all next week. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you mean cellar. the mini fridge? It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.